like you say he's talking already before we even start. Good morning, Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning. Good morning, Porik. Welcome along. It is uh, the gardening programme here. We might as well do the right introduction, Porik, on Midwest start Radio. Yes, yeah, start from the top as we mean to go on. Um, it is Saturday, so and six minutes past nine. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. And Porik Horkin, as you can hear, is it with us in the studio. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. Good morning to you. Uh, May bank holiday weekend. A huh? May bank holiday weekend, exactly. So lots to look forward to. Lots to do. Lots to do in the garden. Great opportunity and funny coming up on, on when I was passing lots of houses, people were out mowing the grass at eight o'clock in the morning. Some guy was out power washing the walls, so I thought, you know, people oh, are that's a house with activity yeah, for the weekend. People are people are <laughs> up and about and doing things. Actually, yeah, and I know you even noticed there in my own area during the week. Um I know we had one really lovely day, at least where I live this week. What day was that? It was Thursday, actually, Porrick. <laughs> um, in my world anyway. And um, I noticed on Thursday evening, myself included, because I went out and I pulled the lawnmower out. Yeah. Um, and the whole place looked great because everybody had the grass cut and there was a real sense that oh, I said, is summer here? Mm, first and then I got up on Friday morning and I realised it uh, hadn't come just yet. Uh, it's not too bad though. Forever it's not... optimistic. Um, but yes, I know there is a lot of activity and you can see people really starting uh, to, to get to get down to jobs. They sure are. They now, sure are. Uh, I know we're on a bank holiday weekend this weekend. Yeah. We've got another bank holiday coming up indeed. in around about four to five weeks' time. Not sure, is it four or five weeks exactly? But it's the June bank holiday weekend and uh, that always signals a big event on the gardening calendar it, in it, Bloom. It sure does. Bloom in the Phoenix Park. Borbia put together, I suppose, Ireland's, Ireland's equivalent to the Chelsea Flower Show. Uh, it happens every June for the, for the past number of years. Uh, it's a five-day event starting on the 31st of May running through to the Monday, which I think is the 5th of, of June. And uh, last year, you might remember, I, I went up to, to uh, just to, to see the show and mm-hmm. it was an absolute fantastic event. Not only is it celebrates gardening and flowers and, and the best of Irish uh, plants and the best of Irish garden, gardens and Irish garden designers, but it also has a huge food hall and food fair and a lot of the Irish producers uh, come along and put up huge tents and um, many of the Irish producers come along and show their wares and give out free samples and so on. So it's a, it's a really good weekend. It's a very enjoyable weekend. And you'll spend a full day in, at Bloom in the Phoenix Park uh, admiring the gardens and uh, tasting the food, of course, and picking up tips and yeah, hints. And, and getting some ideas. It some is, of, that's what yeah, it's all about. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think RTE have a programme, a gardening programme at the moment, and the winner of that particular programme will have their garden at Bloom as well. Actually, I've seen bits of that programme, not uh, all of it by any means, but yes, and some very interesting projects. Sure particularly if you're a person that does have a bit of ground I suppose at the back of the house or somewhere around your where you live and uh, you just kind of look at it and scratch your head and go oh is there ever anything I could do with that the programme does give you uh, inspiration and you kind of feel yeah you know what it mightn't be just amazing but I can tackle it yeah, absolutely mm. and, and many of the gardens are, are small or medium sized mm. so you know they, can, they pack a huge amount into, into a very very small do, space yeah. and you get uh, loads of different ideas so it's well worth a visit Bloom um, I suppose the reason we're chatting about it this morning is that we have 30 free tickets complimentary aboard Bia. Uh, I squeezed them out of them during the week. So well, thank we have, you to we, board Bia. So we have 30 tickets to give away to our listeners. Um, all you simply have to do is to go on to our garden website, which is gardencentre.ie. At the bottom of the homepage, you'll see the um, entry and you'll simply click on that. And what, what we're asking listeners to do is tell us why they love gardening. It's as simple as that. Okay. So give us a couple of sentences and why why you like gardening. What is it about gardening that you particularly like? So you'll see the link right at the bottom of the web page. Click onto that. Um, we'll be taking the, the answers um, over the next couple of days. And on Monday then, we'll announce the, the winners of the 30 
free tickets okay. and they'll be sent out in the post Excellent. So it's well worth going. I, I was there last year um, and it was a, a tremendous weekend and um, very enjoyable. And there's something for all the family. So it's not just gardening. The food is just as good as the gardens. Um, and the, and Borbia have put a huge effort into promoting the Irish food. And there's everything from fudge to jams to soups to every sort of, of, of food. And, uh, and of course, the gardens are excellent as well. So it's well worth well worth a visit it's packed it's very busy so mm. my advice is to go early probably go on the Thursday or the Friday when it's that little bit quieter and go early in the morning because it, it gets a huge crowd I think 80,000 last year yeah I, ha- I, I have and no, I wasn't there in the last two years but I think I was there about three years ago <clears> um, and I know it, it grows each year I mean it's getting bigger and bigger uh, but yes the crowds were even on that occasion quite significant so um, I suppose you have to have your sensible shoes with you and things you like do. that yeah you do. Uh, to, to knock full value out of the day I yeah. suppose I know it's a very enjoyable day mm. so we have 30 tickets to give away simply go onto the website gardencentre.e right down at the bottom of the home page you'll see the the um, little box there just to click on to and just send me a couple of sentences on why you love gardening Excellent. and we'll pick our win- winners on Monday and those tickets will be sent in the post then early next week. Okay, we'll remind people of that uh, before the end of the programme as well again. Now uh, in terms of the bank holiday weekend yes. that's lying in front of us Porik, um bank You're holiday weekends do tend to be weekends where we do say right I'm going out and I'm going to spend half a day or a day or we're yep. going to start tidying things up properly Absolutely. if we haven't already done so. Um, so you want to know what to do in your I own garden, I want to know what it? should I be at? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you mentioned the lawn and of course we're yeah. coming into the time of year when even though the, the temperatures are still relatively cool, grass is growing at a, at a great rate and really people should be trimming the lawn at least once a week now, coming into May and right through May up until early June. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been doing it once a week. Well, Go on. The, well, right through April that's okay but as we come into May you're right. going to find that it will need that and if you keep on top of it it doesn't become that chore mm. uh, if you leave it for two weeks obviously it's going to be a, a far bigger job and it chokes up the more and so on so my advice really is to get out try and get out every week and, and give the, the lawn a trim you'll, you'll get around the lawn a lot quicker and um, but it also keeps the, the grass maintained well it stops the weeds from, from taking over okay. and if weeds are a problem again this is the time of year to retreating for weeds and lawns so things like the buttercups clover dandelions daisies they're present mm. at the moment so mm. A uh, small application of lawn weed killer would certainly see those um, off and it, this is the time of year where you get a rapid result. It's also the time to feed lawns. So something like a stadium feed which will green the lawn without forcing it. So it doesn't mean extra ex- any extra mowing right. but it gives a nice green colour and it brings the lawn back into, into good shape and I suppose last week we had quite a number of people talking about the sulphate of iron can they still put, a, put it on and if you do have moss on the lawns you, you certainly you can still apply the sulphate of iron to, to kill off the moss and green up the lawn. So really for me, May is an important time for lawns for keeping it well-maintained, feeding it, controlling the weeds at this time of year. Because if you allow them to flower, if you allow them to seed, you're only creating a, gener- a new generation later on in the summer and particularly for next year. So now is a good time to, to tackle that. The other tip really is that it's a great time to put in a new lawn. Right. So if, if listeners are thinking about putting, when do I do it? Now is a, go- a really good time. And really, if you're thinking about putting in a new lawn, getting rid of the existing weeds and grass is the first priority. So you, you just treat the area with a little bit of Roundup or 360, till the soil, get in some preceding fertiliser, put in your seed and you'll have an excellent lawn by 
July, early August, um, you know, if, if you get it in during the month of May. So it's a really good time and seed will germinate very rapidly. I suppose we control in general the garden. You know, everything is going to be, not just the grass is growing, but weeds in general begin to pop up. So, yes. you know, listeners will see on pathways and driveways, maybe through their shrub beds and borders. Now, again, is the time to tackle that. Don't allow them to start getting established. So take out the garden hoe tackle the weeds now, you know, they're, they're soft, they're very easy to, to remove from, from the soil and now is the time to take control, So certainly over the next week to 10 days. If you leave them much longer, they'll be certainly starting to seed and flower, or flower and seed and again, you're just creating problems for yourself later down. So keep an eye on weeds in the garden in general through the fruit beds, the rose beds, the shrub beds um, tackle those with the garden hoe. If you have a very large area use something like the premazer which will prevent the weeds from coming back so the one application will keep the garden weed free and that premazer can be used on pathways and driveways but also through shrubs and borders and beds in general so it's quite a good one. Um, I suppose in, in general planting at this time of year, fruit trees, vegetable plants, herbs, uh, the planting, it may again is is the time. The, the soil temperatures are rising, even though there's a little bit of frost at night time. Mm. Disregard that. That's that's you know that's not important. It's not going to do any damage to trees, shrubs, any of the hardier plants like roses, fruit trees. So in terms of planting, May again is is really the time to start getting plants in. Many of them are coming into leaf at this time of year. So you're getting the the benefit of this year's growth out of the plants by planting at this time of year. So things like lupins, delphiniums, peony roses, all of the herbaceous plants, roses in general could be planted this time of year to flower later on in the summer. It's probably a small bit early for the bedding plants just yet so I would just hold off because it is quite cool at, at night time. Mm. You won't gain any benefit by putting them out too early so mid-May for me is a better time to put your marigolds, your busy lizzies, your begonias, your bedding plants in general but certainly hanging baskets and containers um, that you want to get colour later on in June, they could be started now at this time of year. Plant them up um, you know, keep them in a nice sheltered, uh, warm area. So, mm. you know, a greenhouse, a tunnel, a conservatory, a porch, uh, maybe a sheltered windowsill. And if you keep them up off the ground, because what we're getting at this time of year is ground frost, yes, or, or, or grass, grass frost, grass frost <laughs> as it's often called. Yeah. So it tends not to be at air level. It tends to be right at ground level. So as long as plants are above that, they're two or three feet up off the ground, you won't get any uh, damage from frost. Uh, but certainly, hanging baskets, window boxes, containers, I would be planting those up. And again, this time of year, tomatoes, cucumbers, the, the fruiting plants, strawberries, this is the time to plant those. So, you know, if you want your fruit and July, August, September. Now is the time to start planting your tomatoes, your melons, cucumbers, aubergines, peppers, chilies. All of those sort of plants are available now for planting. Get them into a into a, a large tub or container, and you'll get lots of fruit then later on in the summer. So it's it's really that time of year, Deirdre, where people are maintaining the garden in terms of the lawns and feeding and and looking after the plants, controlling weeds in particular because. You know, if you leave them June and July, it's going to be a bigger problem. Yes. And then, you know, in terms of planting hedges, fruit trees, lawns, it's a really good time. May is the time to start getting those hardier plants in. The, you know, the, the one reserve I've, I'd have would be softer bedding plants. Leave those for another two weeks until the risk of frost has passed, which is normally from about the 14th or 15th of May onwards. We, we tend not to get any grass frost after that. Um, so they're the kind of key jobs. Okay, Will well, you, you get all that done this yeah. week? <laughs> <laughs> I might get it written down for I guess, to 
what did I have to do? I don't know. That's not fair. Um, no, there was some, really, there's a lot of things to be considered anyway, yeah. depending, I suppose, on your level of gardening ability. And a lot of it is, is just kind of keeping on top of the garden as mm. well. You know, okay. there's a little bit of that. Yeah. And, you know, if you keep the weed control under control, then it doesn't become a problem. If you keep your lawn neat and tidy, it doesn't become a problem. So it's it's a little bit about that at this time of year. And yeah, lots of, lots of things tend to come together. Yes. All of a rush. Yeah. So it's really, you know, keeping an eye on, on those key things. Okay, well, there's lots uh, to consider there, but I know also we have a, a number of questions for you too, yep. as usual, Park. So um, we're going to take a very quick break, first of all. Um, and prior to that, I'm going to remind you that if you do have a question for Park this morning, you can text us on 087 900 with thanks to C and C Cellular, where switching your landline to Vodafone is easy. You can call us as well, and Teresa busy taking calls this morning for us on 0818 and the email address for the gardening programme here at Midwest Radio. Simply garden at midwestradio.ie Okay, you're very welcome back now. We have a great selection of questions for you, Porrick. Okay. So we'll get down to it straight away. Um, somebody, first of all, has an inquiry regarding a large flowering cherry. Mm. Um, very high, and they're wondering, can they cut them back after flowering? You can, of course, and it's actually the right time to do it. So it's it's probably the pink one, Prunus cans. And once it finishes flowering, which is, is around now, any time from kind of uh, early to mid-May is a good time to prune them back. If the cuts are more than four to six inches in diameter, get yourself a little tub of Mido which is a wax, a sealing wax. So you, you simply take the, the wax, you sit it in boiling water, that softens the wax and you paint it onto the cut surfaces and that'll seal up the wound and stop any infection getting into the, into the cherries. But yes, now is the okay. time to cut them back. Excellent. Now here's one, I've never heard of this before. Um, stardust, what's stardust? Stardust is a conifer, is a cone-shaped conifer, a lovely golden uh, yellow conical uh, conifer oh. so it's an evergreen okay yeah. somebody's wondering can they cut it back now sorry you can tr- trim it back but I, you know be careful that you're not cutting into old wood and make, be careful that you maintain the shape of the conifer as well so startup t- tends to be very broad at the base and goes up into a conical shape so you could t- take certainly six or eight inches off the sides of it but don't go too severe with it don't go into brown wood or it won't reshoot again okay now can you mention the weed killer for potatoes well, linuron. Linuron is the one I mentioned, um, and I suppose just to be be careful with the, in terms of how you apply it, make sure the potatoes haven't broken the soil just yet. So if the stalks are through, cover them over with soil again before applying the linuron. If the stalks haven't come through, then that's perfect. Just simply spray the linuron onto the top of the surface of the soil, and that'll keep the potatoes weed-free for the rest of the year. Okay, great. Um, now you were mentioned, we mentioned premazer there a little bit earlier. Yeah. It's pre- somebody's wondering: is premazer fifty-seven safe to use in shrub area? It is indeed, yeah. Just to explain what it does, Premazer, it, it doesn't actually kill weeds as such. It's a preventative, I suppose a bit like the way the linuron works. So it's a preventative weed killer. So you use it on established shrub beds. So the bed should be at least a year, two, one to two years old or planted um, and simply apply the Premazer onto the soil and that prevents weeds from growing between your shrub beds or rose beds or under your hedge or you can use it on pathways and driveways, areas like that as well. So it's, it's not, it doesn't kill the physical weed but it prevents weeds from growing for the rest of the season. Okay. Now, <clears throat> this is lovely. Somebody's starting gardening this year, so Great. we wish them the very best of luck. Um, and they, we hope they have lots of happy years of gardening. They'd like to grow some herbs um, and to use in cooking. Any tips or what types would be the easiest well, uh, or her- easier? Well, what ones do you grow? 
<laughs> He's being smart now because if I can grow them, it means anybody can grow them, including the starting gardener. I grow parsley and mint, well, well, look at it. There's so so many simple herbs to grow, which are easy to grow. <laughs> Well, in terms of parsley, you've got the lovely moss curl variety. Yeah. You've got the Italian par- parsley, the plain leaf variety, which which cook, the cooks tell me is the best variety of all. Okay. Oregano is very easy to grow. Yes, Corianders, I- dill, uh, basil. If you have a nice warm windowsill indoors, you're shaking your head there. I've had huge success well, with basil. In grow, the past. It, grow it indoors. Right. It needs to be in a warm. Um, environment. Don't overwater it. So water about once a fortnight. Nearly okay. let, let the leaves start to, to wilt before you rewater. And basil, you're not going to have it for months and months. If you have it for, say, two months, okay. uh, that's the kind that's of extent. A- yeah. And with basil, the, the trick is to sow seed every couple of, maybe every month, sow some fresh seed and have it coming on all the time. So basil is probably the tricky one. But things like fennel, coriander, rocket, uh, parsley, oregano, dill, they're all simple to grow the plants are available at this time of year plant them up in a window box or a container mm. leave them in a bright sunny area remember that many of the herbs come from Mediterranean countries and that's the type of conditions they like so bright sunlight free draining soil free draining compost you're watering them about once a week at most during the summer months and if you keep them slightly dry the flavour tends to be more intense so if they're if they're very wet and they're growing very vigorously, the flavour doesn't be as strong. Whereas if, if you if you keep them on a dry on the dry side, now right. I'm not advocating to allow them to dry out, but keep them on the dry side. They and if they're growing more slowly and more compact, the the uh, the oils, the essential oils, are far more. Um, concentrated okay. and more intense. So stick to, I suppose. Look at it's it's the the herbs that you're going to use in the garden or in the in the kitchen. So chives, whatever the proper ones that you like, um, they're the ones to, to choose. And basil would be the one that would be a little bit more finickety, a little bit more difficult. But it needs to be grown indoors. All of the rest can be grown out of doors very successfully. Okay. And now is a great time of year to plant them. And really, it's all just from seed, isn't it? Well, you or can sow it? them from seed, but at this time of year, the plants are available. Okay. So if you want something for you, say in June, right. then buy yourself some plants, put them in now. They're very cheap to buy, you know, to do up a window box. It'll only cost you a couple of euro. And um, you could sow some seed as well, certainly. And some, many of the herbs are perennial, like thyme, rosemary. Um, they will, you'll get them from, you know, mint, as you know, mm. sage, uh, bay, bay leaf, lavender, mm. chives. They're, they're perennial. So once you plant them, you have them every year. Okay. And the other question, just because you mentioned the mint there, um, and I just have experience of this myself. Yeah. <laughs> Is it advisable always to plant herbs in pots or in the ground? Well, per- I, mint, I know, <clears throat> not in the ground. Well, that's the the thing with mint is yeah. it spreads and it can, can become a, a weed in the garden. It can spread so so rapidly. So really, mint is the one to keep in. You want to keep it imprisoned, keep it confined in a pot or in a container. So plant it up in a, in a plastic container, terracotta pot, and grow it in that way. And um, Because it does, it, it runs like it has underground stems. So mm. as it starts to spread, it really does take off. Yeah, and it so. can just go everywhere. And if you ever have to try and take it out, uh, <laughs> I had to take out a mint plant after 15 years. Yeah, it does. It spreads very I don't rapidly. think I ever actually fully got it out. I still see bits of it poking its head And that's up. the trouble. If you yeah. leave a little bit of the root behind, it, it, it starts to pop up yeah. again. So yeah, mint is the one to keep yeah. confined, keep it... Keep it um, in a pot or container. Okay, lovely. Well, to that person anyway, the best of luck and hopefully you'll have lots of herbs before uh, too long. Now, um, somebody's wondering, is there anything organic that'll kill wireworm and carrots? There is indeed, yeah. Um, wireworm is the is the old larvae of the click beetle and funny enough, it, it lasts in the soil for up to three years so it can be quite difficult to, to eradicate. But there is, there is a, an Irish product um, called Super Nemo 
so super nemo it's it's actually nematodes it's a natural product that is parasitic so it works like ladybirds work on green fly on, on roses you simply mix it in water in a washing can you apply it to your potatoes and uh, the nematodes attack the wireworm and kill it off and it's actually very successful I've, I've been looking into it quite a bit because it's um a lot of the growers are using it now, particularly the strawberry growers are using it for uh, soil pests. It's very effective on things like wireworm, uh, leather jackets, vine weevil, chafter grubs, which are all soil-borne pets. Carrot root fly, funny enough. It's very effective on carrot root fly as well. Um, so the growers have been using it commercially and now it's available to, to gardeners. So it's a, it's a, it comes in a little packet. Okay. You have to keep it in the fridge if you don't use it straight away. You mix it with water in a washing can and you apply it to the soil and the the um, the ingredients basically go down to where the wireworm or the carrot root fly is and attack the wireworm and kill it off. And it's got a very high, uh, you know, they're they're claiming ninety five to one hundred percent kill rate wow. with it. So it's it's um, very successful. Though. Yeah, yeah, and it has won a number of awards as well. It has um, won a number of the green. Uh, organic. It's actually got the organic symbol as well, right. so it, uh, it's quite a good product. So look out for that. It's one called Super Nemos. Um, this is the time to use it. It needs to be used when the temperature is above 10 degrees Celsius. So, you know, particularly for potatoes, I would maybe leave it another mm. week or 10 days, wait till things warm up a little bit more. Um, and the wireworm anyway doesn't really become active on potatoes until June, July, weather. August. Yeah. yeah. So if you use the, the nematodes any time from the middle of May onwards, and again, if people are growing carrots, it would be very effective uh, to control to control carrot root fly in carrots. But again, carrots won't be above the soil just yet. So again, use it any time from the end of May onwards and that will control your carrot root fly problems. Cabbage can be used in cabbage as well for cabbage root fly. So any of those kind of soil-borne pests yeah. that can be tricky to kill and where you're use, having to use insecticides, uh, use the Super Minimo. It's a natural product. And there's if you apply it to a, a carrot plant, mm. you can literally eat the thing the following day. There's no... Uh, you don't have to wait for correct. things to correct. pass into the soil. Correct. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so look out for that. that that's is available. Is it a liquid? Uh, it's, it's, it comes in a. It, it, they're, they're granules, so oh. they're like sugar granules. Okay. You mix them in water, dissolve them, oh. and then you apply them through a sprayer or through a washing can onto the soil surface, or literally you can apply it onto the plants themselves, and that eradicates the problem. So the strawberry growers, for example, they're using them now for, they have a lot of weevils that attack the, the roots of strawberries and they're applying it at this time of year and that keeps the strawberry plants absolutely clean of any of pests. Okay, so super nemos. Super nemos. And the one application actually does the whole range of pests. So it's not that you have to get a different one for your carrot root fly, the actual... So if you've got potatoes and carrots growing in the garden or cabbage plants It'll growing... It'll do the whole lot. Correct. But Brilliant. as I say, it's a tad... It needs to be 10 degrees Celsius. So wait for the weather just to warm a little bit more and then apply it and you'll have a very, very good success rate. Okay. Very, very good. Now, uh, somebody has pink flowering outdoor geranium in the garden okay. and it's just started to flower. And is Lovely. there any such thing as a blue flowering type for outdoors? Yeah, these are, these are the herbaceous geraniums. Now, they're not to be um, mixed up with the ordinary household geranium. Oh, yeah, yes. so these are the, the herbaceous varieties. Um, very, very good. The flower every year. They are, they're just coming into flower at the moment. There's a very good blue variety called Johnston's Blue. Um, it's, a, it's a vivid, uh, bright blue, large kind of trumpet-shaped flower. Uh, very nice variety, good time to plant it. And that will come into flower, Johnson's Blue flowers from about the middle of June. 
through till August, September. So look out for that variety. It grows about 15 inches tall, uh, quite a nice variety. So that's Geranium Johnston's Blue. Mm -hmm. I often advise planting them in in groups, maybe of three or five, just to get a a more carpet effect, a more fuller effect, uh, rather than putting them in once. But it obviously depends on the space you've got. But look for that variety, Geranium Johnston's Blue. Okay. Now, somebody has a Leylandia hedge and it's growing brown a bit. Any ideas? Well, browning on on Leylandia hedge is is obviously a sign that the stems are dying. The the you know when when Leyland goes to to a brown in color, it's obviously that stem has died. Now, why has it died? It could be simply back to severe pruning. If you prune them too severely, you lose some branches on it. Um, it may be a root disorder. It really depends on on how severe the browning. You'll always get a certain amount of browning on Lelandia, but where you get patches of browning, well, those branches are dying. They're not going to reshoot. What you can do is prune the branch out and hopefully the, the green or the golden foliage either side of it will fill in that gap. But certainly browning or brown wood in, in Lelandia is a sign that that stem has died. So you need to cut it out because it's not going to reshoot and trim the, the hedge in such a way that you're encouraging the other branches to fill in that gap. Now, uh, some oh flat winter heather. Somebody has just yeah. uh, had their winter heathers and they finished flowering. Yeah, they're just going out. Yeah, so they're wondering now: do they need to cut them back, and should they give them plant food? Yes. Yeah. Um, now is the time to trim them back. Um, you know, so winter flowering heathers have been in flower since October. I mean, they're fantastic. Really, they flower right up to to early summer. So they're going out of flower this time of year. So you trim them back. Get a shears, trim them back, uh, or hedge clippers. Now, don't go too severe. So really, just the the trick with heathers is to remove the shoots, the the flowering shoots. So where you see the end of the old flower, that's where you cut back to. So you'll be removing about four to six inches of growth. Don't go back into, don't give them a a right good uh, trimming because Mm. they may not reshoot again. So just remove the flowering wood and feed them then with a liquid feed or you could use something like um, Sudden Impact, which is a granulated feed around the base of them because that'll stimulate them to grow during the summer months and it's on that growth they carry the flowers next year. And by trimming, you're also keeping them neater and tidier um, so they're more compact because heathers over time tends to get, get taller and taller and more woody. So a little bit of pruning at this time of year is highly advisable on the winter flowering varieties. And you'll know them that the old flowers are just gone now. The flowers are brown. You trim them back and you can literally take the little shears, a hand shears or a hedge clippers to them, trim them back, clean them off, feed them. And within two to three weeks, all the, the, they'll have a lovely flush of new growth. And on that growth, then they'll start flowering in October of this year. Okay. Now, somebody uh, would like to grow a mixture of French and runner beans in the garden. Right. So they're wondering, what seed should they get and can they sow the seed outdoors? Well, the answer is yes, you can, but I, I would I would sow them indoors, to be honest, to get them okay. earlier. No, you could do a little bit of both, to be quite honest, but if you want your the French beans and the runner beans fruiting earlier, um, I would start them off indoors. So simply get a seed tray, some compost. The beans are very large, very easy to sow, very visible. Great for children, actually, because they're, they're so large. Put them into, you'll, you'll get about 100 seed in a packet, and 100 seed would fill a standard seed tray so one standard seed tray fill it with compost, sow the entire packet into the tray, cover with compost make sure the compost is moist put a little bit of cling film over the top of the tray and stick it on a windowsill. They'll germinate in about a two week, two to three week period Mm. and um, particularly runner beans can be frost sensitive. Now 
in two weeks' time or three weeks' time, we're going to be at the end of May. So that's an ideal time to be planting them out. Um, depending on the varieties then that you want, there are dwarf varieties of um, runner beans. So you look look out for those uh, varieties. There's a very good one called Speedy, which is a very early variety. Right. Well named. Well named. Um, so there's lots. There's another lovely one called Purple Teepee, which is a dwarf purple-stemmed or purple-fruiting French bean. Mm. Um, and the trick with French beans is to pick them early. So, sow the seed indoors, plant them out about the middle towards the end of May. They'll start to crop then from about the first week of July. Mm. And if you pick them regularly, you'll have them cropping. They'll continue to crop right through the summer. Um, For runner beans, again, you know, runner beans tend to be very tall. So, they'll grow anything up to eight or nine feet in height. So, you need to give them support. So, some bamboo canes or some trellis work to scramble up. And they're very decorative in flower. They have beautiful red flowers or white flowers, very large pea-like flowers um, that the bees love and then you'll get the pods forming again from about the end of July, early August onwards. Uh, Enorma is a, is a good variety. It's a very large, it produces pods that are nearly a foot, foot and a half in, okay. in length. So quite a, quite a good, but there's lots of different varieties available. So to recap, it's a good time to sow the seed. Sow it indoors, uh, cover with cling film. Take the cling film off as soon as the seeds germinate, which will be about seven to ten days. Let them grow on then for, for about a week indoors. And when they're about six, seven inches high, plant them out um, uh, into a good sunny location. And if particularly for runner beans, make sure that you put in some organic matter when you're planting them because they're very hungry. They have to grow eight or nine feet before they start to flower and fruit. Um, so they need plenty of nutrition. Okay, but they're well worth, well worth growing yeah, and very and easy to grow. Very, very yeah, easy to grow. Complete and very delicious as well. Delicious. And, and the trick with them is to, is to pick them and it, you, they'll freeze. Like, yeah. like you buy French beans yeah. in, in the freezer. You can freeze them. Um, so, you know, keep picking them freeze them if, you, if you're not going to use them and they'll continue to crop right through to the end of the summer. Okay, great. Now, we still have lots more to come. I am going to take a very quick right. break though, yep. if we may. So, uh, please do stay with us. Uh, Pork is with us, of course, until 10 this morning uh, and lots more of your questions to come after these. We have a great variety of questions altogether. Here's a very interesting question for you, Porik. Um, somebody has an old-fashioned house. They tell us it's nearly 200 years old. Right, and right. they have a hedge that they want to keep that's been there as long as they can remember. Right. Um, and it's got very small leaves on the hedge. Uh, they've looked in all the local shops for this particular hedge, but no luck. And they'd like to transplant it further. Would you have any ideas as to what they can do? Well, the, the hedge that, that springs to my mind, there's two, two that come to mind. One is one called Lonisra Nidida. So, Lonisra Nidida, N-I-D-I-D-A, okay. right. I think, from memory. Um, but Lanisra Nidida has very dark uh, green leaves. They're tiny green leaves. It tends to be evergreen, but it will shed some of the leaves in wintertime. But it was a real old-fashioned head. It's actually in the honeysuckle family, even though it doesn't look like our traditional honeysuckle. So look out for that, Lanisra Nidida. Um, the other hedge it could be would be boxwood, but that would be very common and, and you know, if you go into your local garden centre, they would have it. Whereas the Lonisra Nidida hasn't been used for many years. It, it kind of went out of fashion, I suppose. Right. Um, because it can be a very, it can become a very dusty um, type of hedge. And unless it's trimmed and tidy, kept really neat and tidy, uh, it can, you know, get a bit un- scraggy looking and okay. a bit un- unsightly. So it kind of went out of favour, I suppose, when things like Grisolini and Escaloni and boxwood and other hedges came in. Back in favour now though. But it is a lovely yeah. it is a lovely hedge and if it's well, well maintained and trimmed uh, it makes a super hedge and there's a lovely variety called Bagason's Gold uh, which Lonisra Bagason's Gold which is a golden version of it which is beautiful yellow bright yellow foliage. Now the listener wants to 
propagated, do they? They, they do, to, yes. Yeah. They, they, yeah, so, they, yeah, they want to well, it's, transplant it further. The great thing is that it's, it's, a, it's a very, very easy plant to propagate from cuttings. And you're actually coming into the time of year when you can take softwood cuttings from it. Now, because the season is late there this year, there isn't much that much new growth on it. So traditionally, we would take the cuttings of Lanisera in June, but I would leave it until the end of June or early July. Wait until there's nice four to six inch growths, new growth on the Lanisera. You simply take cut the, the cutting, strip off the leaves, only leave two or three leaves at the very tip of the shoot, dip it in a little bit of rooting powder mm. and put it into a, a tray or a pot and say in a small pot, a six inch or eight inch pot, you'll fit 30 or 40 cuttings into it. Into a compost that you add sand to or perlite to, so a nice gritty compost. So simply take the cuttings about six inches long, strip off the leaves, dip them into a bit of rooting powder, mix a bit of sand and compost together and put them into the pot and insert the cuttings cover it over to a plastic bag and leave them under the hedge for two to three weeks, okay. maybe six weeks mm. and they'll have rooted within the bag um, and then you can simply plant them out where you want the new hedge to grow. So it's a very, very simple hedge to propagate from cuttings um, and, and again, if the, if the listener wants to bring it into the garden centre, I'll, we'll identify it you know, uh, for them just to make certain but for, in my mind, that's what it is. It's Lanisra Nidida, a really old-fashioned hedge. Uh, it could be 200 years old the hedge itself. Amazing. I mean, it is a really old plant and uh, has gone out of favour. Uh, but, but you know, really that's just down to, yeah. I suppose, people favouring other plants. But it is a terrific hedging plant. And I suppose the number of plants that we have been exposed to in the 200-year period We've been has increased enormously. <laughs> We've so, been spoiled. Yeah. But, but it just shows you how hardy hardy a plant is and yeah. it came through the, the severe frosts extremely well Nidida. so it's in the honeysuckle family um, uh, but it doesn't re- resemble your typical honeysuckle plant but that, that in my mind is what it is Okay. And very easy to propagate and um, as I say there are some nice varieties like Bagson's Gold if they want to introduce a bit of colour a bit of variety into the hedge it's a nice yellow variety Brilliant. Okay, good luck with that and hopefully you're able to uh, to, to transplant and to propagate sorts, it a bit more. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question altogether. Okay, uh, bindweed. Yes, uh, a, a little more mundane but also very prolific. Um, mm. How does one get rid of it? Well, bindweed, just to explain to listeners, is, is, is that uh, very vigorous weed that you see, you don't see until this time of year and it just pops above the ground and starts to wrap itself around your shrubs and your trees and your fences or whatever so it it, it, it binds itself or wraps itself around the stems of plants and, mm. and, and scrambles up um, if it's growing it's easy enough to kill but if it's growing through shrubs it can be difficult to spray it so my advice if it's growing through plants is to get yourself a, a little container of Roundup gel so it's like hair gel but it's a, weed, it's a weed killer, obviously. But they've made it into a gel so it adheres to the stem of and the leaves of the plant very easily. And you just dab it on uh, to, the, to the leaf of the bindweed, mm. obviously keeping it off the leaf of the shrub. Yeah. And because it's in a gel, it sits on the leaf and it, it, the, the plant itself absorbs the gel into its system, down into the root, and that kills the bindweed off. So that's a, a, just a small little container called Roundup Gel. Mm-hmm. You simply rub it or, or, or just apply it onto the leaf of the weed particularly if it's growing up through shrubs if it's growing say through under trees or up through a hedge you dab it onto the leaves the plant absorbs the gel and it brings it down into the root and that will kill it off because bindweed is one of these plants that a portion of its root it's got a very rubbery strong root and any little piece that you leave behind uh, 
repropagates itself. Um, now, if it's growing out in a flat area and there's no shrubs around it, then you can just simply apply it, use the traditional Roundup, and that will kill it off. But I, I guess in this case, it's growing through plants or it's growing through a hedge or it's coming up in a way that it's difficult for the listener to get at it. And I would use the gel in this case. You'll find it very successful. It will kill the bindweed within about three or four days. And you may need to reapply it because depending how strong the bindweed is. Okay. But the gel for me is the one to use. Now, are there any broad-leaved trees that would be evergreen, something with a bit of colour all year round? Yeah, well, the first thing that springs to mind is the lovely evergreen oak, but you'd want a nice, you know, farmland or parkland or, or a large bi- a garden. space. Yeah, yeah, so the evergreen oak is one, certainly it retains its foliage all year round. It makes it a tree like a chestnut or a, or a beech tree, but a beautiful, beautiful plant. Mm. Um, the other evergreen ones would be things like eucalyptus. So you have eucalyptus gunnii, which is the, the fast-growing eucalyptus, which retains its foliage all year around. Another really nice plant is one called Cotoneaster canubia. Canubia. So it's in the Cotoneaster family, retains its foliage all year round um, but it's got beautiful white flowers in summer and bright orange or red berries then through the winter months and that'll make a nice 15 foot 20 foot tree in the garden. So there's three good ones. Evergreen oak which is nice. Eucalyptus which is available in different varieties and then Cotoneaster which again is available in, in different varieties. Weeping forms and upright forms. So they'd be three good ones. Okay. Somebody planted laurels about one month ago. Right. Now, they've taken off, but now they want to change them to another location. They've and they're wondering, their mind. is it okay to move them? Well, I, look at it. I would only move them if it's absolutely necessary. Right. If, if you've got the option to leave them till November, then take that option. Wait, let them grow, um, you know, let them fill out, and then dig them up in November when they're dormant and transplant them. If it's a case of they have to be moved, then I would say yes move them. You may get some casualties with them, but what's on your side is the fact that the growing season laurels really haven't come into significant growth this year. They're not doing what they normally do uh, because the weather's just been so cold. So they're still Um, semi-dormant. Now, you know, the first option is the one I would go for. If Mm. you have the time, leave them till November and transplant them then. But if you have to move them, then the weather has has come in your favour in the fact that they're, they're, they're actually not, uh, you know, they're not in the full flush of growth, right. which they would normally be at in May. Right. Yeah, so they're semi-dormant and moving them, you know, you, you'll have certainly a 95% success in transplanting them. The fact that they're only down a month is in your favour. Okay. Now, if they're established laurels or people are thinking of moving trees and shrubs in mm. general, then I would say no, leave, leave all yeah. the transplanting of plants, of established plants. But the fact that they're only in a month, they'll have only made a small amount of root growth, right. um, a small amount of stem growth, so they're still semi-dormant and moving them. Keep them well watered, obviously, if you do move them um, and look after them. But, you, you know, certainly um, it should be successful. Okay, but only if you have to. Only if you have to. Okay. The ideal thing is to leave them till, till November and you'll be 100% guaranteed. Okay, good stuff. Now, um, a lot of people, obviously, confirmations and communions are yeah. on at the moment. Some yeah. people are thinking about what would be a tree that would be suitable to give for a nephew's confirmation? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a great idea. Um, this time of year, there's some beautiful trees available, like things that are coming into flower now at this time of year, the lovely malice, which are available in a whole range of different varieties um, and have different flower colours. So if you want to kind of mark this time of year, every year, with something that's going to bloom at this time of year, mm-hmm. then for me, the Malice family would be 
very nice. They make nice small trees. You get the flowers at this, this time of year and you get beautiful berries then in the autumn. Oh, lovely. And many of the varieties of malice, uh, some have red leaf varieties, some have uh, bright green leaf varieties. So there's quite a, a very good choice of varieties at the moment. So that, that, that would be quite nice. It makes a small tree, so it'll only grow to about 12 to 15 feet in height. It flowers at this time of year, every year, and then the berries come on from September, October, November sort of period. Okay, so, so you're kind of getting a number of different functions, if you like, out of the tree. You are indeed. Yeah. And, and the, I suppose the key thing is that it will always flower this time of year, next year. So it'll, it'll flower at communion time again. And you'll know why you got that tree. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that'll be quite a nice one. Um, Amelanchier too will be another one, one called the Snowy Mespolis, which again is, is flowering around this time of year, which would be quite nice as well. But the Malice for me would, be, would make a lovely, okay. a lovely tr- okay, occasion tree. Excellent. Now, somebody has applied three-in-one weed feed um, and, that, and they're wondering, will that make the grass grow better and will it green it up? Well, it, it, the, the, the things like stadium, the lawn feed that I mentioned mm. earlier, they're designed to green the lawn without forcing it. So they, they work in the reverse to say agricultural fertiliser, which is there to promote lots mm. of growth and, and leafy growth. The, things like stadium lawn feeds um, feed the grass. So they'll green the grass, they give it a nice green colour without forcing it. They'll also kill off any broadleaf weeds and they'll kill any moss that might be in the lawn. So the one application, if applied, say, this weekend, by next weekend, the lawn should be picking up a lovely green colour. The weeds should be on the way out Mm. and the moss should be dead. Okay. Now, somebody has planted rocket and orla potatoes in a tunnel five weeks ago and the stalks have all withered Mm. and they're wondering, would they be destroyed? Well, they they are. I mean, they, they... like it's too early for blight. Frost hasn't been that severe that it would penetrate the tunnel and do damage to to oh. the early stems of of orla. So you know the, the plants have failed. I would. It's not too late to replant actually to put in some new tubers. Right. And um, now you'll be limited, obviously, in the probably in the choice. But certainly the the rocket variety would still be available. A cord would still be available. There will be some potatoes, and so I would say to the listener, replant, put in some fresh seed, and start the potatoes off again. Okay. Um, somebody has large block paving patio, lots of small weeds popping up in the joints. That can be a problem with paving sometimes. Uh, what can they use to clear and stop more weeds? Well, what I would use is get yourself a, um, a container of, of the traditional Roundup and mix it with the premaser that I mentioned earlier. You can mix the two safely oh, right. together. And the Roundup will obviously get rid of any weeds that are there, but the premaser will stop, stop weeds from growing then for the rest of the season. So mix the two together and put them on and that'll... Kill and yeah. prevent at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, on pathways or driveways or any gravel areas that you've got, if you want to use something that will kill but also prevent weeds, then that's that's a good mixture. Okay. Now, someone has mature holly trees. Um, They're losing their leaves, Porrick, from the bottom up. They tell us these are about 12 to 15 years old, these trees. Well, that's, that's, um, I suppose... Now, having said that, holly holly is an evergreen plant, but like all evergreen plants, they do shed leaves, which would be a natural occurrence on holly, if it's losing a lot of the lower leaves, mm. then you've got a nutritional problem there. The plants are hungry, they need to be fed, you need to put a good granulated feed around the base of them. And that would be very typical of plants if they start to use the old, lose the older foliage and older right at the base um, you know, it, when, the, when the leaves are dropping from there, mm. it's a sign that the plants are hungry. So I would, I would clean away any leaves that are there, put on a good granulated feed um, the, the sudden impact would be quite good or a tree and shrub fertiliser at this time of year. But do bear in mind that hollies naturally, a holly hedge or a holly tree or you look at wild holly there'll always be a, a, a collection of leaves under the base of them but obviously those leaves, you know, it wouldn't be that significant, maybe 5% or 6% of the leaf, you'll always get leaf litter at the base of them but if it's more than that then 
I would feed those plants, feed them now, feed them again in late June, and that will help to arrest any any leaf, any further leaf loss. Right. Okay. Uh, so I'm looking for some tips on growing rhubarb. They've tried growing it a few times, but <coughs> it hasn't done very well. Mary in Portlaoise, good morning. In Portlaoise, right. Well, um, look, there's no reason why, why why rhubarb should be difficult to grow. I mean, remember, what, you're, what, what are you growing there? You're growing a plant that within four or five weeks grows from nothing to two to three feet. So rhubarb, by its nature, needs a very fertile soil. Um, it needs a free-draining soil, but a soil that also is, it holds moisture. Um, so you, you don't plant it obviously in an area that's waterlogged but it needs to be a moisture retentive soil so the trick with rhubarb is dig a large hole get some organic matter farm manure horse manure uh, mushroom compost that type of material put lots of that in plant your rhubarb stools and the best variety is one called Timberly Early it's a red stick variety and it's ready for picking any time from kind of St. Patrick's Day onwards. Okay. And it's still, you can still pick it at this time of year. So look for that variety, Timberly Early. It's a very easy variety mm. to grow. But the soil preparation is critical for, for rhubarb. It needs to be a rich soil. It needs to be free draining but that will hold the moisture. Um, and in the winter time then, as the rhubarb dies down, apply another layer, a five or six inch layer of organic matter on top of the rhubarb during the winter season. So you can't overfeed it. You can't can't give it too much of organic matter let's put it that way that's exactly what it enjoys um, so if you've got a very thin soil a very light soil or a soil that's poor in nutrition rubber will be a disaster on it or if the ground drains too freely if it's not retaining moisture Water, right. then rubber will be a disaster so it needs that nice open space good fertile soil but plenty of organic matter is really the secret to it and final question, I think, for this morning uh, relates to blueberries. We yes. haven't had a blueberry yes. question in a while. Good. So, someone has blueberry plants in pots and they're wondering, should they plant them in the ground now and what soil would be the correct soil for them? Okay, well, blueberries are, are in the bilberry family. They're in the ericaceous family, as we like to call them, the okay. rhododendron family and the... And the, and the um, things like forest flame. So that kind of gives you an idea of where they need to go. They need to be in lime-free soil. So you need to, if you're putting them, they're great to grow in pots because you can obviously grow them in lime-free soil. And they do very well in pots as long as you keep them well-washed and well-fed. So if you're planting, transplanting them out, make sure you get some ericaceous compost, lime-free compost. Dig a good bag of that into the soil. And to that, you can add some ericaceous fertiliser, which helps to keep the soil acid. So add a handful of the ericaceous fertiliser to the compost and plant your your blueberries into that. Now remember that blueberries are a, a long-lived plant. I mean, you're 50 years, 60 years is very common to have a blueberry oh, plant gosh. in the garden, so they're very much a long-lived. So prepare the soil well. Again, use some organic matter. Farm manure by its nature is acid, so you could add some of that to the planting hole as well. Um, and as long as you do that and keep them well watered when they're fruiting, when the fruit are beginning to form, then they'll be very successful for you. Okay. And every spring, give them some of that ericaceous feed, that rhod- buy yourself a little box of rhododendron fertiliser, and that's what blue- blue- blueberries love. Okay, that's it. Uh, before we go, a quick reminder about those tickets for Bloom again. We've, we've 30 tickets to mm-hmm. give away for the Bloom, which is the June bank holiday starting on May 31st, running through to the bank holiday Monday. Um, you simply go onto our website, gardencentre.ie. At the bottom of the homepage, there's a, cl- there's a little panel there that you click onto and you just send me a message saying why you love gardening and we'll have 30 tickets to give away on Monday morning and we'll post them out to the listeners. Okay, great stuff. So I'd expect lots of entries will be uh, ah, yeah. in for that, Forrick. You're going and to be busy. And if you don't busy. get a ticket, my advice is to go to go. Bloom anyway. It's okay. well worth well okay. worth the day out. Okay, excellent stuff. 
Thank you very much indeed. We'll be doing it all over again next Thanks Saturday. Saturday. And of again. course, you'll be on the telly on Thursday. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll leave you this list, of, this list of jobs too. You better leave me that <laughs> list of jobs, yeah. Yeah, I'm, on the te- oh, I'm not on the telly actually this Thursday. Oh, right, okay. Thursday week, Thursday I'm back, week. On, back on again. Yeah. Okay, we've yeah. Lamb Festival in Roscommon this weekend, so I might have to leave my jobs till next weekend. But anyway... <laughs> Have a lovely weekend and to uh, everybody out there as well, have yourselves uh, a really enjoyable bank holiday weekend. We're back again next Saturday just after seven. Until then, good morning.